Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we respond to our social media trolls and haters. Let's get started. Many of you who have listened to our podcast before are likely aware that we have an Instagram account at jdr.podcast. If you don't follow us yet, please do, because recently it's become very entertaining. I'm not sure if it's our recent topic on the so-called settlements that has struck some type of chord with people on the so-called pro-Palestinian side of the argument. Maybe this has led to the large increase in comments on our recent posts. On our typical posts, we get one or two random anti-Israel comments with some poor argument made to oppose the facts in our podcast. On occasion, we'll even try to respond with the truth and facts correcting the record. More often, however, many of our great and well-educated followers beat us to it, and they rebut the claims of the non-followers who comment on our posts. Interestingly, as of this past week, we have noticed an increase in comments, But more interestingly, these comments have become ridiculous and laughable. At least in the past, people have tried to oppose the facts and ideas with other facts and ideas, often cherry-picked or oversimplified. However, this time, it has sunk to a new low. I'm not sure if we've hit some type of algorithm on Instagram that has pushed us out to anti-Israel groups, but it definitely appears that way. We are happy here at the Jewish Diaspora podcast to see our engagement and reach grow because we really do want to get this message out. After all, it is the reason why we started this podcast in the beginning, in order to help educate and try and match the propaganda that is often found online with fact. We hope that people can formulate their own opinions based on fact and truth on various topics like anti-Semitism around the world, anti-Israel sentiment, and Judaism. We even support healthy dialogue based on the facts between opposing sides, I don't think our social media team has ever deleted a comment, no matter how factually incorrect or useless it may be. Obviously, we don't have much time to sit on social media and deal with all of these comments, but I thought it would be fun to make an episode where I can give some background and refute some of the comments that are made on our recent posts. In a post made on Instagram with a clip from our last podcast, I had suggested that the Jewish people had been expelled from places like Gush Etzion and Hebron, places located within what is now known as the West Bank. This is based on history and fact. We know that there have been ties to the land for generations back to the Bible. Some could suggest that the Bible is a work of fiction and could not be used as proof of ownership of the land. That's a fair statement. The Jewish people's claim to the land does stem from the Bible, but is also found in archaeology all over the region. There are truckloads of materials that have been removed from the land, both within Israel and what is known as the West Bank, proving the existence of Jewish civilization. In our post online, we suggested that it is interesting that only the Israeli claim to the West Bank is questioned, whereas there's an assumption that the West Bank is somehow automatically Palestinian land without any need for historical evidence. Let me remind my listeners, the borders of Israel and the West Bank is not based on any type of historical border or international agreement. These regions were based on an agreement between the Israeli and the Palestinian Authority leaders, mutually accepting that both Jewish and Palestinian Arabs live within Judea and Samaria, or the West Bank, and that there will be some areas created for self-governance by the Palestinian Authority. This would be in Area A and B, and Area C would be governed by the Israelis until further negotiations will happen in order to create final borders. 
This is all based on the Oslo Accords signed and agreed to by the Palestinian Authority under Yasser Arafat. In response to us promoting these facts online, we've received a number of comments. Here are a few. One user suggested that we travel to the West Bank and speak with Palestinian Arabs in order to help us better understand the situation. This was a relatively polite comment, even if it is somewhat based on an assumption. Why does this person automatically assume that I've never been to the West Bank and never had conversations with Palestinian Arabs? I have, in fact, been to the region a couple of times. I have visited the Gush Etzion block and Hebron. I have also visited a number of groups within Israel and the West Bank who work with Palestinian Arabs and Israelis in order to promote coexistence and finding solutions on the ground. I have personally spoken with these Palestinian people about their issues and solutions. This is exactly how I have formulated my opinion on the matter. Another user, one with a very controversial anti-Israel username and profile photo, commented that the only reason there is a conflict at all is because the United Nations decided to, quote, create a state against the wishes of the majority of the Palestinian territory and that the Zionist terrorists ethnically cleanse the area, end quote. There's so much wrong with this comment especially the fact that this user has zero posts and 10 followers, clearly simply a troll account. Firstly, have the guts to stand up for your views. If you feel so strongly about it, make sure you put your name to it. If you feel that you are in the right and you are speaking the truth, why are you hiding behind a fake account? Secondly, there are so many things wrong with this view. I'm not surprised why someone would want to ensure their name is not associated with this revisionist history. The irony is that this person probably could have learned a lot from the podcast had they just listened to it. We have a whole episode that would help straighten out this lie about ethnic cleansing. If you haven't heard this episode, check out our earlier podcast called The Jews Suck at Ethnic Cleansing. Simply put, I assume any definition of ethnic cleansing would include the reduction of population. However, in the West Bank, Gaza, and Israel proper... Israeli Arabs and Palestinian Arab populations have grown over the years, so we can just ignore that complete falsehood. When it comes to the United Nations partitions of the Middle East, you can check out our previous podcast called A Free Palestine, The History of the Region. During World War I, the British had promised everything to everybody in order to help them win the war. The Arabs were promised a unified Arab state in the Middle East if they supported the British against the Ottoman Empire. Similarly, the Jews under the Balfour Declaration in 1917 were also promised a Jewish community in the British Mandate of Palestine. However, both sides were essentially let down following World War I because neither promise was kept in the immediate aftermath. Eventually, the British created a number of Arab states, but not the unified Arab state that they were promised. They also balked at creating a Jewish state and instead continued to control the Levant as a colony until handing it over to the UN. As this user points out correctly, the Palestinian Arabs did in fact outnumber the Jews of British Palestine. However, they are leaving out one major historical fact. What this user is likely unaware of is that the British blocked Jewish people from entering British Palestine for years. This was due to the Arab attacks against the Jewish populations and threatening further revolt against the British unless the British limited the amount of Jews that were allowed to immigrate to the area. As a result, the British white paper policy was implemented that limited Jewish immigration to 75,000 for five years and ruled further immigration would then be determined by the Arab majority. Jews were also restricted from buying Arab land in all but 5% of the mandate. Even with this manipulation of the numbers by the British, the Jewish population in British Palestine was not as low as many would suggest. In 1922, the Arab residents make up 78% of the entire area and the Jewish population makes up 11%. 
10 years later, the Arab population percentage had decreased to 74% versus the growing Jewish 17%. By 1945, the Jewish population had raised to 31% and the Arab population dropped to 60. Even though this was artificially manipulated to ensure that the Jewish numbers remained lower than the Arab numbers, it is true that the Palestinian Arabs at that time made up the majority of the region. Although, when we look at specific areas around the Levant, it paints a very different story. For example, the city of Haifa, that had a Jewish majority of nearly 50%. In Jaffa, just outside of modern Tel Aviv, the Jewish population made up 70% of the population. And in Jerusalem, there was a 40% split between the Arabs and the Jews. So not all areas were open to Jews to live, but the Jews had some foothold, and they were the majority in some places where they were allowed to live, according to the British. So when we look at this claim made by the user, technically the Arab inhabitants of the land did outnumber the Jewish inhabitants, although this was likely due to the strict ban on Jewish immigration, and no cap on the Arab immigration at the time. Due to the artificially higher numbers... In the UN's partition plan, the majority of the land was given to the Arab inhabitants. The Jewish people received a much smaller portion of the land containing some of the places that the Jewish communities held majorities in, and much of the unpopulated desert, which they accepted. The Arab League refused this option and lost a war in 1948. And in the case of Egypt and Jordan, they followed the war by colonizing the Palestinian Arab lands for 20 years. As much as we should all accept the fact that the British and other colonizing forces ruined the world, however, they did offer numerous Arab nations statehood. In addition to recognizing the continuous Jewish presence in the land, the British saw the death and destruction caused by the Arab riots and massacres while under their control, and knew that promising a Jewish state was the only way for Jewish inhabitants to not be wiped out by their Arab neighbors. Sadly, this user only heard clips from the podcast episode and didn't bother to listen to the entire thing. They clearly missed a great deal of history and fact to support our argument and disprove theirs, assuming they would even accept any facts in response to their revisionist history. Any claims that there was an ethnic cleansing is false, unless you're referring to the murder and or expulsion of a population at the hands of the Jordanian army and Palestinian Arabs who expelled Jewish residents from Judea and Samaria after the 1948 war. This same user someone clearly with a great deal of time on their hands, posted again on our next post. This post, a clip from last week's podcast, explained that many people today think of the West Bank as Palestinian lands and that it should be under the full control of the Palestinian Authority, ignoring the area A, B, and C that we have today, thus negating the idea that the Oslo Accords had even happened or that they had even been agreed to by the Palestinian leadership. The point of this post on our social media was to suggest that many anti-Israel activists often overlook the current situation for most Palestinian Arabs on the ground, which is caused by the Palestinian leadership, who controls Area A and B. Area A and B are the places where Palestinian people have the lowest quality of life, aside from Gaza, which is also under Palestinian control. The same Oslo Accords that created the Palestinian government, the same government that so many of them support is the same one that has agreed to allow the Jewish settlements to remain in Area C in order to be included in a future Israeli state. This was agreed to by the Palestinian leadership, even if today's anti-Israel activists would like to suggest that Israel has no right to build or expand in Area C. To these facts, the same unknown fake user commented, quote, Israel is the occupier and the one breaking international law by building settlements and transferring civilians. End of story, period. Well, I'm glad that's the end of the story. I guess I'll have to wrap up this podcast forever. I stand corrected. 
since this is the end of the story. Except it isn't. How in the world can Israel be occupying an area that was agreed to by the Palestinians? This is an example of what I was saying earlier, the attempt to rewrite history to suggest that the Oslo Accords never happened. Under Oslo, the Palestinian leadership, Israelis, and the world, through the United States, accepted that there will be three zones. Why do we today have to accept that Area A and B should rightfully be run by the Palestinian Authority, under the Accord, but the rest of the Accord, the part where Israel controls Area C, should just be ignored? This commenter proved my point exactly. Israel is not occupying areas that were won in a defensive war and agreed to be split by the Palestinian people's leadership. If these people have an issue with this, take it up with Yasser Arafat. Furthermore, I suggested in the podcast that it is interesting that there is an idea that Israel somehow needs permission to build or expand cities in their area, while the Palestinian Arabs need no permission and are beyond questioning how they choose to expand and build in their areas. Had this person actually listened to our podcast or care about the facts or even know the history, they probably wouldn't have made this silly argument without supporting facts and ending with end of story. In our last post from the last podcast, we posted a clip where we pointed out the irony that the so-called pro-Palestinian people love to suggest that Palestinian Arabs who fled or were asked to leave due to safety concerns have a right to return to their land in the modern state of Israel. Well, at the same time, those Jews who were forced out of their homes between the 1920 Arab riots and the 1948 war, murdering and expelling Jews by Jordanians and Palestinian Arabs, they have no right to return to their homes. In response, we received a number of great rebuttals. One person who actually uses a real account, who identifies as an Arab Canadian, commented, quote, Jews were never forced out. Obviously, there is proof that Jewish people lived within the places like Jerusalem, Hebron, and Gush Etzion prior to the Jordanian invasion in 1948, and these Jews were no longer alive or welcome to live there after the Jordanians took over. These are facts. I have been there. I have seen the last stand of the kibbutzniks against the Jordanian army at Gush Etzion. So what do you say to someone who clearly isn't playing with the facts, but just saying what you're saying is untrue? At least he was joined by another real user, who very brilliantly quipped, F it, you're lying. Darn, you really got me there. You've totally disproved my facts, history, and archaeology, and even the testimony. I better delete that post now. The comments continued with these asinine responses filled with zero facts, zero rebuttals, and only personal attacks or general suggestions that what I'm saying isn't true. I seriously wonder why people even waste the time to write this stuff on people's posts. Do you think that you're convincing me, convincing my followers, does seeing F it, you're lying, really change anybody's mind? In the end, it is great to see that our podcast is reaching more and more people on the internet. The amount of people who have listened to this podcast has grown. To have listeners on every single continent of the globe, in addition to more and more people seeing our clips on social media. Thank you to all our users who follow us and take the time to fight the trolls and haters online. For those of you who do not follow us on Instagram, please check us out at jdr.podcast because we often post additional content on there and maybe you want to join the fight. Despite the trolls, we will continue to spread the truth, facts, and the history of the Jewish people. We will not allow people who outnumber us to dictate our history, change or manipulate the facts in order to try and convince others that we do not have a right to exist in our ancient homeland of Israel, in the Middle East, or even on this planet. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. 
We'll see you next time.